Um, yeah, let's just jump into today's message for today. Um, the big thing that happened this week, as many of you are probably aware, is the big controversy with the potential Supreme Court ruling uh, to override Roe versus Wade, the big uh, law on abortion. And so there's a lot of pro-choice people who are very upset at this controversy. Um, and there are very many pro-life people who are hoping that this actually goes through. For me personally, I have very mixed feelings about it, as probably a lot of people do. Um, but it's those people like me who are kind of ambivalent about it or have mixed feelings about it who are just very quiet on the subject. It's those people who are very extreme against it or very extreme for it who are being very loud and vocal and um, you know, probably like chatting up a storm on social media and then Twitter and all of that stuff. So I grew up believing that if you're a Christian, you had to be pro-life, right? You had to be pro-life, okay? And there was no debate on this issue, right? If you're a Christian, that you have to be pro-life. And, you know, I would hear all these, like, extreme languages on this topic that if you support abortion, then you're murdering babies, <laughs> right? And then you hear a statement like that, and it's like, okay, of course. Like, how can anyone go against, like, murdering babies? Or how can anyone be for murdering babies, right? And so uh, I always grew up like very much pro-life thinking, believing that this was the Christian position to take. Uh, now that I'm older, um, I I'm still pro-life, okay? I'll be honest with you, but it's not coming from a place of my faith. I can't say that it is because if you're Christian, you have to be pro-life, okay? I don't believe that anymore. I think you could be very much pro-choice and take your faith very seriously. And I can't really support the Christian position of being pro-life from a biblical point of view, okay? I'm, I'm not going to bring up all the passages that have to do with, you know, um, like babies that die in the womb um, that's brought up in the Bible, okay? Uh, there are a few passages that talk about this very specific thing, and it's not as black and white as I originally thought, okay? It's very gray, it's actually very gray. And I think this issue of abortion will always be gray. It will always be an abortion. So it's not as simple as uh, many people are like kind of painting it out to be. And the reason why I bring this up and the reason why it kind of has to do with today's message of thinking about the journey ahead is that we don't really know what's going to happen with this one very, very controversial issue. Um, but no matter what, it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard. There's going to be no clean answer to this. It's not going to be simple, okay? It's not going to be so cut and dry. It's always going to be hard, right? And it probably will kind of go back and forth in our country, right? Maybe uh, one, one day it'll be very much for the conservatives, right? It'll be favoring the conservatives. And another time, it'll be favoring the more progressives, the liberals, right? When we think about 
the journey ahead, okay? And we're all kind of in different places in our lives, okay? Some of us have very uh, much established careers and we kind of know what our careers are gonna look like moving forward. There are some of us who are transitioning in careers. There are some of us who just started a new job and are still kind of figuring things out. There are some of us who have been in long-term relationships. There are some of us like me who are currently figuring things out and going through like a separation and experiencing what it's like to be single again. And there are people who've been single for a long time wondering what's ahead of me? You know, is this my life, right? Is this what, a, what my life is gonna look like moving forward? And when we think about the journey ahead, it will usually often seem scary, difficult, or mysterious. And that's very much normal. And that's very much expected. So how can we move forward in our lives? How can we move forward in this journey ahead called life? <laughs> with peace, because it will always be scary, difficult, and mysterious. The goal is not to remove the scariness, the difficulty, or the mystery, okay, because that will always be there, right? The goal is how can we move forward in this journey ahead with peace? If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Isaiah 43? Um, if you don't have your Bibles, I'm going to read it for us. I do not have it on the screen today. Um, I'm just going to read it for us. Uh, if you have your Bibles or Bible app, it's Isaiah 43, verses 14 through 19. It's only five verses. Isaiah 43. 14 through 19. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians. In the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Let's pray. Lord, this life that we live has so many twists and turns, so many unexpected obstacles and bumps in the road, so many gains and losses. And as we look forward to the journey ahead, you don't promise us that it's going to get any easier. In fact, you promise us that as we mature, as we get stronger, as we grow in our faith, 
in our spirituality, we might face even more difficult challenges. So the goal is not to remove those challenges. The goal is to move forward with peace. Having full confidence, knowing that you are with us and that no matter what life throws at us, we know in our hearts, in our spirits, that we will be okay. And in fact, we will be better as a result of these challenges because there is something on the other side of that that is waiting for us. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alrighty, so we just read from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 14 through 19. And during this time, Israel was under Babylonian captivity, all right? And the book of Isaiah uh, is a very interesting book. It's, it's one of the biggest books in the entire Bible. And it begins with the death of one of Israel's kings, King Uzziah. All right, King Uzziah. And King Uzziah was one of the best kings that the Israelites have ever seen. So the book of Isaiah um, is written by this prophet by the name of Isaiah in order to kind of state where the Israelites are at, but also to give them hope. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He doesn't give them any kind of false hope. And he truly tells them how it is while giving them some sort of optimism and positivity in the end. Now, um, many times when the Israelites are in, in, in this period, in this Old Testament time, uh, they were having a very, very difficult time. Right after King Uzziah died, um, the, the nation of Israel kind of became captive to a bigger empire uh, known as the Babylonian Empire. Right? And uh, so the Israelites have kind of lost their independence. They lost their religion. Um, they lost uh, their identity. And so they're in this like period of darkness for like many, many years. Okay. And this is called the post-exilic period. Okay. Uh, or during the Babylonian captivity. Okay. This is during, during the Babylonian cap captivity. And Isaiah the prophet has warned the Israelites that this happened because of their continual disobedience. As soon as King Uzziah died, uh, the Israelites kind of lost uh, a sense of who they were. Okay? King Uzziah was not only a good king politically, militarily, economically, he was also a great king religiously. He was a king who took his faith, his Jewish faith, very, very seriously. And so the prophet Isaiah would constantly warn his people, the Israelites, that God wanted his people to be a holy nation, a people who are set apart so that they could be a light in the dark world. But instead, they lost a sense of their faith. They kind of uh, walked away from God. And as a result, um, God allowed them to become captives to this greater empire of Babylon. Ultimately, they failed to be the people that God wanted them to be, which is a holy nation and a people set apart. Now, uh, the book of Isaiah has uh, 66 chapters or 66 books, and it's divided up into two major parts, okay? 
almost uh, in half. Uh, chapters 1 through 39 is the first half, and then uh, chapters 40 through 66 is the second half. And since we just read from Isaiah 43, it is part of the second half. And uh, the first half, chapters 1 through 39, primarily deals with this theme uh, of God as the ultimate judge. And God would even use other uh, secular uh, nations like Assyria and Babylon to carry out his judgment on his own people, which is pretty controversial, right? That's kind of troubling if you think about it, that God would use these pagan nations to carry out judgment on his own people because that's how much they've neglected their own faith and their own identity in God as God's children. And chapters 40 through 66, which is part of, and we read part of that today, uh, primarily deals with God as Savior. Even though the Israelites screwed up, okay, even though they forgot who they were, even though they walked away from their faith and walked away from God, God is still going to save them. God is still going to save them, which is why the passage that we read today, verse 14, talks about how he will bring down the Babylonians in the very ships that they pride themselves in, right? And it has nothing to do with how great the Israelites are. And actually, uh, despite their shortcomings, despite their failures, God is still going to help them out. Now, this doesn't mean that everything ahead of them is going to be all peachy and easy and, you know, full of like sunshine and roses, okay? It's actually going to get harder before it gets easier for them. They've been exiled out of Jerusalem because they've been captive by Babylon, right? And Jerusalem was in uh, shambles, okay? It was totally ruined, right? No one lived in Jerusalem anymore. Once they came captive to Babylon, they... Uh, had to leave Jerusalem, and they had to live under Babylonian rule in the Babylonian Empire, right? And no one has lived in Jerusalem for a very, very long time, right? So when God tells them he's going to free them out of exile, right? And he's going to, like, free them out of Babylonian rule, they have all these challenges that lay ahead of them, okay? They're going to find their own way to Jerusalem. There's no, like, straight road from wherever they were to Jerusalem. So they have to literally like pave their own path to go back to the holy city of Jerusalem, their hometown. And this journey from where they were in the Babylonian Empire to Jerusalem was 700 miles. 700 miles. They had to journey back on this unknown path to Jerusalem, their hometown, for, like by foot, okay? And by, you have to remember, this is ancient times. There were no, like, paved roads, okay? So they have to go 700 miles, okay? And it's not just flat, okay? It's a very, very difficult and inhospitable terrain. There's mountains, there's peaks, there's valleys, right? There's uh, woods, there's forests, and there's wild animals. 700 miles of that. Um, and, you know, obviously along the way, they have to prepare their food and, you know, water and supplies and all that stuff. And if they make it to Jerusalem, they have to rebuild the whole city. <laughs> so just think about all these challenges that they have to 
encounter, okay? They have to make their own path back to Jerusalem. It's 700 miles. Um, they have to deal with all of this difficult terrain and uh, inhospitable environment and wild animals. Uh, they have to prepare all the supplies, water and food and all that stuff. And if they're lucky enough to make it, they're, gonna, they're going back to their home city, which was totally abandoned and utterly in ruins. And they have to rebuild from scratch. This is the journey that lies ahead of them. I don't know about you, but for me, so many times in my life, especially now, when I think about the journey that lies ahead of me, um, I realize like I have so much further to go in my life. And this path that I'm going to be riding on, I have no idea what it's going to be looking, uh, what it's going to look like. And I'm sure it's going to be difficult. There's going to be peaks and valleys. It's going to be long. And once I get to wherever I need to go, I'm probably going to have to build something from scratch. And how can we, how can we move forward with all of these challenges that lie ahead of us? And what God tells us in today's passage through the prophet Isaiah, uh, it's the same thing that he told the Israelites like over 5,000 years ago, is first to remember God's goodness in the past. Okay? Remember God's goodness in the past. And this could be found in verses, um, actually, 15 through 17. Let me read that for us again. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Does anyone know what the prophet Isaiah is referencing in Israel's history? He who made a way through the sea. A path. Moses, yeah, Moses and the Israelites when they were, uh, when they fled Egypt, and they left slavery. They became free people. Uh, they crossed the Red Sea, right? Uh, there's that um, great story of uh, Moses and the Israelites. And uh, Moses, like, put his staff in the, in the sea. And the sea parted, right? And they walked through the bed of the sea. And then the Egyptian soldiers in their chariots and horses, they were following the Israelites shortly behind. And as soon as the Israelites uh, got out of the Red Sea, the part um, of the Red Sea, like, collapsed. The water collapsed on the chariots and the horses and the soldiers. And still to this day, uh, legend has it that they're still there <laughs> at the bottom of the Red Sea. Uh, that's why in verse 17 it says, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. These are the Egyptian army and re uh, reinforcements. And they lay there never to rise again. So as... Isaiah is like sharing this with his people. They're probably thinking like, how the heck are we going to do this? How the heck are we going to find our way back to Jerusalem, go 700 miles through this like really, really difficult terrain and environment, 
And once we get there, we still have to rebuild this entire city. How are we going to do that? And God, remind, or God reminds them, remember what I did for your ancestors in the past. Remember how I brought them out of slavery in Egypt, which was an even more powerful empire than Babylon. And remember everything that they went through. It wasn't easy. They were wandering around in the desert for 40 years, but they finally reached the promised land. Remember that. And when I think about like what um, lies ahead of me, right? Uh, sometimes I, I get so overwhelmed by the scariness of it all, the, difficult, uh, the difficulties that I have probably will have to encounter and the, the many, many unknown factors that wait for me. It could be overwhelming, right? And I think to myself, I have to remind myself, God has seen me through extremely difficult situations before. I grew up in a dysfunctional family, and I turned out relatively okay. <laughs> I'm not crazy, right? Um, I uh, um, was happily married for, you know, over 15 years. Now I'm, you know, um, experiencing this new stage of my life. And that was a blessing. And we've gone through difficult times. Uh, and God has provided more for, for us in the past. And even when it comes to church, right? Like, we've gone through COVID. <laughs> we've gone through COVID and we're still here when there are so many bigger churches with way more money, <laughs> with way more resources that have closed during COVID. And God has provided for us in the past. And so I can trust that he will provide for me in the future. However, we still have to acknowledge some of the gains and losses that we've experienced, okay? Uh, we have to be honest with ourselves and remember uh, not only God's goodness, but also some of the losses that we've experienced, okay? And so if you have experienced many losses in your life, um, maybe you've gone through various kinds of grief, okay? Now, I came across, um, or I was listening to some lectures um, on grief, on this topic of grief. And, oh, oh man, it's really pixelated, I'm sorry. Because I was writing down notes on my phone, and so I just took a screenshot of uh, my notes and uh, shared it with you. Now, at a very, very basic level, there are four stages of grief, okay? There's shock, there's protest, disorganization, and reorganization, all right? Um, this is like, like very, very basic, okay? If you are dealing with someone, or maybe you're even like looking inward, and you're going through stages of grief, and you just need to function in life, um, you could kind of think of your stages of grief in like four simple uh, uh, stages. But if you want to break it down even further, there are actually up to seven stages of grief. And this one, you kind of have to do more introspection and reflection, right? And it can be hard, actually, right? If you've gone through any kind of like loss, death, um, you know, really big suffering in your life, there could be up to seven stages of grief. Shock, denial, bargaining, guilt, anger, 
depression, and then finally acceptance. Now, if you notice, obviously uh, the first stage in both is shock, okay? And then the second one, protest and denial is pretty similar, right? They're pretty similar. Um, denial or slash disbelief, okay? Like if you've gone, if you've experienced like great loss in your life, you kind of can't believe what's happening and you're, and it's almost like it, you're in disbelief. Like how can this be happening, right? And then stage three on the left side, disorganization is kind of like stages um, three through four, okay? Or maybe even like three through six, all right? So all of these can be years, okay? This kind of like makes it overly simplified, but all of this is happening right here, okay? Bargaining, guilt, anger, depression. All of that is happening in stage three on the left, right? And then stage four, reorganization is ultimately acceptance. And you're accepting this is your new reality and ultimately that leads to hope, right? When you accept this. Now, this isn't um, super clean where you're going like one stage after another, after another. And then once you move on in the next stage, you never go back. It, that's not how it works, okay? For me, okay, what I've experienced is that the sta seven stages of grief are kind of like circular. I kind of go back, okay? I, I, I'm kind of re-experiencing some of these stages over and over again. And the way that I end up in acceptance is I remember how God has provided for me in the past. And that helps me accept my current reality and I can move forward with hope. And then ironically, the very next verse in today's passage encourages us to um, not dwell on the past. Do not dwell on the past, which is ironic, right? Uh, so God reminds the Israelites of all the things that he did for his an their ancestors like, you know, many, many years ago. And then in verse 18, he says, forget the former things. <laughs> Do not dwell on the past. Okay, now the word forget, um, that's, kind of, um, that's kind of a rough translation. I think a better word uh, in the original language that could capture what uh, God is trying to say through the prophet Isaiah to the Israelites, to his people, is let go of the former things. Not forget, okay? It's not like he's telling them to have amnesia or anything, okay? He's saying let go of the former things and do not dwell on the past, okay, which is why I wrote it like this. Do not dwell in the past. Now, it's important to remember how God has been good for us in the past, but it's also important to not live there, to not live in the past, to not live in the former days, okay, to kind of let some of those things go, okay? God has provided for us back then, but it's not always going to be like that, okay? It's not going to be the same, okay? Um, as I was studying this passage, um, I was reading this uh, Old Testament scholar, and I usually don't do this because I don't want to 
my messages to be too like heady, but uh, I thought it was just such a great quote that it's worth sharing with you today. Okay, so J.A. Uh, Motner, Motner, uh, he's an Old Testament scholar. He said this: Isaiah knows human psychology only too well. The past can become an idealized world, the good old days, into which we retreat when the future becomes too frightening to face, or it can be a springboard from which we launch ourselves into the future with new strength. Isaiah does not want Israel to retreat into the past. It can be a springboard from which we launch ourselves into the future with new strength. That is the reason why God wants us to remember his goodness from the past, but also not to dwell there, okay? Not to live in the past. And oftentimes, when people dwell in the past and they think about the good old days, it's very, very difficult for them to move forward with life. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Does, do you guys know anyone like this, right? There are people who like remember how good it was back in the day and like what the good old days was like. Um, all right, last but not least, um, God is in the business of making new things. God is in the business of making things new. God is in the business of making things new. Verse 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm doing a new thing. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Last Sunday, we talked about what restarting looks like. And oftentimes, our faith doesn't take us out of the woods. It often calls us to go into the wilderness. But God is the one who makes a way in the wilderness. He makes a way for us in the wilderness and gives us streams in the wasteland. The mission statement of our church is a hospitable community for spiritual wanderers. And we started this church in my home three years ago, and we've been through so much. We've gained a lot, and we lost um, a lot. <laughs> COVID made things so incredibly difficult, and so many people we started with are not with us anymore due to moving away, or stresses of life, or we've discovered we have differences in values. So this theme of our church being a hospitable community for spiritual wanderers is very fitting for our church, especially for me. Personally, I feel more like a spiritual wanderer now than I ever have before in my life. And it's really scary because I don't know what the future looks like, but it's also kind of exciting, to be honest with you. I don't know where I'm going to be in my personal life a year from now. I don't know where, what our church is going to look like a year from now. Um, so literally, the only thing I can do is take it like one day at a time. 
and it's really scary, but it's also very exciting. And it really forces me to live in the present and to enjoy the present. And one of the ways that I can do that and move forward with hope is to remember how God has been good to me in the past, but also not to live in the past, not to dwell there and to let certain things go and, and believe uh, that I'll be okay. So the scary things, the difficult things, and the unknown factors will always be there, but the hope is that I can move forward with peace. And a reflection question that I wanted us to think about is right now, if you are going through any kind of difficulty, uh, difficult things on your own, in your own life, uh, what are those streams in the wasteland for you? What are those streams in the wasteland for you? Let's pray. Let's just take a minute and pray on our own. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, let her speak to you. May she give you words that you need to hear. And just wait on the Lord. Lord, we, in various ways, we are all spiritual wanderers. We're kind of traversing through this life that has so many unknown factors, unknown variables. And when we think about all that awaits us, it can be overwhelming. And during times like that, help us to remember how you've provided for us and gotten through difficult situations in the past. And you will continue to provide for us in the future. So Lord, we're not asking for you to remove any thorns in our side or any um, challenges that might wait for us. What we're asking for you from you is that your Holy Spirit would stay with us, give us strength, and give us peace along the way. And as a result, may our faith grow stronger and may our spirituality be healthier. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week. <laughs>